stand up together tonight. That was a great word. You know, um, actually, I heard Jerry Seville teach a long time ago that your job is not your source. It's where you get your seed. And then when you get your seed, then you, you give that to wherever God tells you to give it. And then God is your source and he'll supply. He'll, he'll multiply that seed back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over in the Last night, my husband and I went to Cracker Barrel to eat. We haven't been there in a long time. We have a grandson that works there. and But there was a young man there. He's lived here for a few years, has a little boy, he told us. And um, he's from up north, and, and he, he was just a real, real sweet spirit guy. And uh, at the end, I had said to my husband, well, I didn't say anything, but I thought we need to give him a really big tip because it sounded like he's single dad with his child. And I just felt that he's really working hard trying to do things. And uh, you want to tell him what happened to you? Been in a situation like this, but uh, toward the end of, of the, the meal, I felt I heard give him the $50 bill. I had a 50 and a 20 in my pocket. And uh, give me the, him the $50 bill, and I just kind of let it go. Uh, <clears throat> and then when we finally finished, I reached in, and I had the 50 and the 20 in my hand, and I picked up the 20, and I was going to lay it on the table. Now, I know I wish as your pastor I could tell you that I do everything God said all of the time, but I was ready and very willing to part with that 20. And as I pulled the 20 out, this is what I heard and exactly how I heard it. I said, give him the $50 bill. Yes, sir. And so, needless to say, the man was blessed, and after the fact, I was blessed, but a little reluctant. <laughs> well, and just before that, uh, uh, Pastor Bill led him to Jesus right there at, at our table. Yeah. He said, he, Pastor Bill said, where do you go to church? We, and he invited him to our church. But then he said, uh, do you know Jesus? He said, well, I'm not saved, but I know about him. So we knew <laughs> he knows about being saved, <laughs> probably as a grandma somewhere or a mom that's been interceding. And so Bill just took his hand, right at, he's right at our table, and we're in this big dining room, and Bill just, nobody shuts their eyes. We, he just said the prayer right after Bill, just boom, boom, boom. You know, people are desperate for help. And uh, I believe he said, I'll come, but he said, they make me, I have to work, you know, and they make me work a lot of Sundays. So Bill said, well, Wednesday nights. He said, okay, I'll, I'll see if I can't get one off. But, you know, I believe that the love of God is so much greater than we know. And we have the resources. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have the resources. See, God isn't going to ask you to give a $50 bill if you don't have one in your pocket. But I know, Pastor Bill, that was from when we made our trip, and he's, he's hanging on to that. He's got a purpose for that $50 bill. Because <laughs> we, yeah, he likes the picture. But we don't have a lot of $50 bills that we carry around or anything. But when we go on a trip, a lot of times we'll have a 50 or a couple 50s with us for cash. And, uh, and so he, I know he had that 50. I was just going to say, be sure and leave him a really good tip. But when he put the 50 out there, I was so grateful to God because it didn't even bother me. You know why that is? After 40 years of serving Jesus, uh, I just know that he's my source. And whatever I have in my hand is just seed. That when he asks for it, you just give it. And so whatever he's asking from you, be, be, uh, be a part of the miracle. I just say that to you. Be a part of a miracle. Not just for the person you give it to, but for yourself. Amen.
Let's make our confession tonight. Hallelujah. Let's say it together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you tonight that as I share this word that uh, in situations where this message is not uh, what's happening in people's lives, that you will just encourage them tonight that with God all things are possible and that even in the hardest places, your peace, uh, your contentment is available to us because it's in your word and every promise in this word you are faithful to deliver to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I'm preaching this message for myself, and I'm glad y'all came. You can listen. Hallelujah. But uh, I've, been, I've, I've been hearing this word contentment, and uh, I felt like God said to me, uh, contentment, Pam, is not fulfillment. You know, um, oftentimes we think, I'll be all right as soon as God does this, whatever that this is in your life. As soon as I get to this place, you know, then everything is really going to be all right. And and. We all face that to a degree in our lives. But I've learned in all the years that I've been saved that some things um, haven't happened yet. Some things that God told me would happen, then he told me the person is not willing. You know, sometimes people decide to make choices that change what God really wanted to do in that situation. And uh, it isn't, uh, I don't believe God get, gets angry. I just believe God finds someone else to do that thing, because that thing is going to be accomplished in the earth, whether I do it, you do it, or somebody else does it, because God fulfills his will. And we get the blessing. When I said that a minute ago, it really is a blessing to participate with God in the miracles that he wants to perform in people's lives. And, uh, you know, you may just be the person that goes next door with uh, a good word for your neighbor. You may hear God say, go over next door and encourage your neighbor and da 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 da, and you're thinking, well, they don't even talk to me, but but when you obey that, you get to be a part of the miracle that God wanted to give them, and it blesses you in return. And so, there's a place God wants us to live, uh, and it, it's different than rest. It, contentment has to do with uh, things that you desire to see that you have not seen yet, but you are living in contentment satisfied. Everybody say satisfied. Satisfied with your life, where it is. And uh, I'm going to share from Hebrews 13. If you have your Bible, and if you'd put that up on the screen, Hebrews 13, and then I'm going to read it if I can get this phone to work right. I love uh, my Bible app, but it doesn't always work in church. I don't know. I think it's the devil. He gets in my phone right here before I get up here, and he messes me up. But uh, I love it because I can look at all the different translations of how the Word of God says something. And uh, just like you tell a story different than I would, uh, different people who've translated the Bible give a different sometimes uh, way of saying what's in the Bible. But it's all good. It's all the Word of God. And Hebrews 13, this is in the New King James, it just says very simply that we're to, uh, verse 5, let your conduct, everybody say conduct. Um, be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, 
I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Then in verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, God never changes his mind. He doesn't change his word. His word is truth. Uh, Now, we don't always live the word, but that doesn't mean that God changes the word. Uh, God forgives us when we miss it, and we don't do what the word says to do, but he doesn't change his word to make it okay what we have done. Does that make sense? So the word is, is, is stable. God is stable. And when everything else around you uh, may be trying to steal your contentment, which this, this says, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content. So when we're content within ourselves, our conduct reveals that or our behavior. And uh, when I looked up those words, conduct means a mode or standard of personal behavior, especially in regard to moral principles. In other words, things that we know to be the truth of the word of God. Uh, To covet means to wish uh, or earnestly desire what belongs to someone else. Uh, And I believe uh, all of us at one time or another, I know in my life, uh, you know, when you're a young person and you're just starting out, uh, there's things that you wish that you could have. And you see other people around you that maybe are soaring, you know, along and you're still back here trying to achieve that one thing that they have. You know, maybe it's a new car and they pull up in a new car and you've been praying forever for a new car and, and they get a new car and you think, well, you know, they, they probably haven't worked near as hard as I have. Everybody say you begin to covet and jealousy and envy and strife and all those things get in. It's, this is what it says in the Amplified. Let your character or moral essence, your inner nature, nature be free from the love of money. Shun greed, be financially ethical, being content with what you have. For he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So take comfort and be encouraged and confident and say, the Lord is my helper. In time of need, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And that's a place of trust that I think we all work toward. I don't, I'm, certainly, I haven't achieved it. But um, in the last year, it seems like bad reports are intensifying. How many of you would say, I mean, just reports of uh, people in, in their homes having situations and circumstances, uh, children, uh, becoming more defiant than maybe they were in the past. Uh, no reasoning because you can't get past, you know, what's the rebellion is intensifying. All these things, sickness. Uh, we've had so many reports of the enemy attacking people in their health. Uh, much more than it seemed like it used to be. I don't know um, if it's just that people talk about it more, but it seems like the enemy has stepped up his attack against people of faith. And that's when I believe our conduct, everybody say our conduct, is um, the most prevalent to those people around us. Are we going to respond to things the way the world responds to those things? 
uh, Morgan, the, the young lady that works in our office, the one that does those uh, funny, uh, all the <laughs> announcements in all different forms and things. Uh, this week, her it was really her mother's niece. So it was just a first cousin of hers. But these girls have all been raised together. And uh, her cousin's husband left church. He's a deacon in a church over in Michigan town, left church to go play basketball in a, in a league at SIA. And within just a few minutes from the church, had a head-on collision, and he's in heaven. And had four children, two that he had adopted that his wife uh, brought into the marriage, and two younger children. So now there's a wife and four children and a whole family whose all their future has been disrupted in just an instant. And really, as believers, uh, th- there's, there's no more information than it would be for an unbeliever. But their conduct, everybody say their conduct. Uh, the, the fact that they grieve, but they don't grieve like the world grieves, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. They don't sorrow like the world sorrows. Do they cry? Yes. Are, do they feel a sense of loneliness and, and what happened, especially his wife and his daughters and son? But they're not without hope. Everybody say, not without hope. And somewhere in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit can bring a contentment, not in the situation and for the situation, but knowing that the Lord is my helper. And what can man do to me? What can happen to me in this earth that's going to cause me to let go of that hope or let go of that uh, contentment? And uh, I was looking, you know, my husband mentioned this last week in Philippians. And the Lord's been saying to me, um, this is an area that everybody needs to work on, but especially the church in the day that we're living in now, that our conduct is who we are on the inside, not what we see on the outside. Because every day we can be hearing a report that could change uh, the circumstances or situations in our life, just like it changed in this family. I plead the blood over all my children. I speak the word over all of you in this church. I pray for all of you in this church. But I know from the, all the years experience in the ministry that there are people who get reports that are difficult reports that they have to walk out. But God's grace, everybody say God's grace, is sufficient if we remain in an in a attitude or a conduct that is contented. That means, it doesn't mean it's taken care of. Does that make sense? Because I like things to be taken care of. How many of you like things to be taken care of? And uh, I can try to fix things and make the biggest mess that, you know, God has to unscramble things much more than he would have if I'd have just stayed out of it. How many of you have ever (laughs) been one of those? I can fix this. Yeah, well, I learned a long time ago in a situation with the Lord when I was just... Uh, by myself with my kids. And I remember I was trying to fix a situation. And I heard this. I heard the Lord, Holy Spirit speak to me. This is what you need to do. Go sit down under the tree and leave this alone because you're just swinging your sword at everything and you haven't hit a thing yet. Another time he said to me, we, began, we can't both tie shoes at the same time. That's all I heard. We both can't tie shoes at the same time. Have you ever tried to teach your children to tie their shoes? They're trying to tie them. You're trying to tie them. Everybody gets mad. It's over. You know, you can't get it done. 
And so I've, I've felt like there have been times where God has said to me, take your hands off this. Because what you're trying to do is fix something so you can feel like it's okay. But contentment has nothing to do with the circumstance lining up with what we want it to. And so when Paul said in Philippians, and Pastor Bill said this last week, and God really began to speak to me about it, uh, it says in verse 10 of chapter 4 of Philippians, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. This was uh, him speaking um, to the church at Philippi because it was about financial support for Paul. But it goes on and says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. If you're going to serve Jesus with all your heart, we have to learn to be content in whatever state we're in. Uh, You know, it took me a long time to get content being a single parent with no money. (laughs) That took me a long time to be content in that. But I can tell you, when I became content in that, God started adding to me what I, what I desired. But I had to learn to be content that he was going to take care of me. And in the world today, it's very important that you know no matter what, God is going to take care of you, just like we read. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He, he's not going to give up on us even when we make mistakes. He's going to take care of us. So we can be content in that time where it doesn't look like it's going to be what God said it's going to be. And, and that's what Paul was saying. It goes on and says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. In other words, I know how to be in a place where I have nothing or maybe being mistreated, uh, not giving, uh, getting what I deserve, uh, not having for us maybe the job we feel like we should earn more in the position that we're in or there should be uh, more provision in an area where we feel like we've given our all and, and that person ought to be rewarding us in a, in a much more uh, lucrative way. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you've done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. You know, there's a lot of people who have gotten out of the ministry because they weren't treated right in giving and receiving. Uh, they've, They've given up. They've quit. Even in this church, Pastor Bill and I, from the time we started this church, have never been able to look to all of you or whoever was sitting here as our source. Because if, if we look to you as our source, then if we upset you, then you might not be our source anymore. Amen? And then what do you do? You begin to fear what man can do to you. So when from the time we started this church, it was if God doesn't supply for this church... This church won't be here. And it's not the congregation, it's God. Now, I believe everybody in the church should obey the word of God and tithe. But that, that is not the case. I don't know of any church where that's the case. However, that doesn't mean that the church can't thrive. So when we are in a position where it doesn't look like it's doing that, 
We have to be content in that place. Even though we could say, well, where are you, God? I mean, after all, this is your house. You said you would provide for your house. doesn't look like you're providing the way we thought you would provide. Everybody say, be content. Because the moment you get into discontent, it breeds doubt and unbelief. Can I say that again? Discontentment, Lord said to me, will breed. In other words, it'll start to erode in your life, your faith, and it begins to breed a, a, a doubt and an unbelief. And the children of Israel failed to enter the promised land because of doubt and unbelief. It's in Hebrews chapter 3. Those were the two things that, that deterred them from that. And uh, as I was going through my Bible, you know, just looking up different things um, about the word content, after a while, it changes where there's no more words that have content in the New King James Version. Then it starts going to other words that, you know, show you what contentment is or isn't. And the first word I saw over and over and over again was complain. In other words, when you're not content, you begin to complain. Well, I can't even read you all the definitions because the synonyms, there's a bad word in there. But it means to bellyache, to gripe, to grumble, to moan, to murmur, to whine, to scream, uh, to kick up a fuss. And uh, another word uh, that's in there. You might have heard people say it. Um, the Bible says in Psalm 34:10, there is no lack for those who seek the Lord. So when we're in a place where that discontentment is starting to pull on us, then the Bible says there'll be no lack if we seek the Lord, not seek man. Everybody say, don't seek man. I mean, don't, don't let your first thought be what your uncle Harry could give you or you know, what so-and-so owes you in a debt that they didn't pay, that you loaned them money. That causes so much strife in people's lives. If you give somebody something or you loan it to them, consider it gone. Could I just say that? Consider it gone. And don't sit there and go, well, they should have paid. No, just say, thank God I sowed a seed. And that's coming back a hundredfold. Because I sowed that seed because I thought God told me to. And it's going to come back because that person doesn't. That's not the person who rewards me. It's God who rewards me. And that's my contentment in the situation when the enemy starts doing what he does to bring that discontent. And then bring doubt and unbelief in God, in the people that we think should be our source. You know, what's the matter with those people? You know, I mean, we could say in our church from the very beginning, well, why don't they tithe? We'd be okay if they tithe. Then what? You know what started happening? I want to get up here and say, okay, you people. Your sermons start being accusational to your people. That's not God's plan. And you know who God would get upset with? Us. Before you. Because we're the ones who are in a position of authority. So are you. Got awful quiet. Y'all laughed when it was me. <laughs> but it's the truth. We all are responsible to God 
to be who God's called us to be. And we are all givers. Turn your neighbor and say, we're all givers. Now, that isn't just money. That's in anything that somebody has need of. We're givers. You know, I was so excited that we have gotten to the $50 level in our giving. (laughs) Off the cuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, we've been faithful over the years. We had to be to tithe because if we're not faithful, then the church people will never be faithful. You know, we kind of have to lead the parade here, so to speak, for all of you. And so we've, 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 we've done that. And then give an extra, you know, now orphans and supporting orphans and doing these other things. If we don't do it, how can we stand up here and say that the people of this congregation should do it? So, you know, and, and we've tithed on money we weren't even getting. So, you know, we've had to do those things because God put us in that place. But, you know, we do not, listen, don't become a server to wait on us in any restaurant because we don't pass out $50 bills. So, you know, it, but we passed the $50 bill t- test. So, you know what the next time will be? More. More. My friend that I learned this from, she said, you should always have a $100 bill in your purse in case God needs it. I thought, well, I'll have to get me a $100 bill first. <laughs> As soon as I get me under dollar bill, I'll put it in there. But you know what? Sometimes you have to give out of what you don't have to get up there, to get to that place. And this is not, we're not taking an offering at the end, so don't anybody get nervous. It's not about that. It's about contentment. Everybody say contentment. It's about being able to go about your day knowing that whatever you have, God can replenish it if he says, give it to me. Just give it to me. And, and, and we're able to just give it. You know, uh, my husband, every time I have to clean my closet out, you know, to switch closets for summer and winter, he always says to me, now, you know, don't, don't keep anything that you haven't worn this past year. Well, then he does his closet. It doesn't apply. <laughs> or how many of you have ever held on to clothes thinking, I'm going to get back in that? Sure enough, I'm going to do it. I decide to give it all away, and maybe I will be able to get in it. I'll just buy new. God will give me money. Because there's somebody who could use that. Amen? And so this begins to affect all of the things in our life that we're content with what we have, knowing that God is going to supply and take care of us. Um, As I was looking at numbers, you know, they were the biggest group of complainers. And, And this is the scripture that God gave me because I kept seeing that word complain. So I had to repent first. Because I was, I was complaining about a few things that I thought should be done differently. According to the word of God. Hallelujah. How many of you, once you know the word of God, you're really good at dishing it out? It's like a reformed smoker. You know, they, they smelled like to high heaven. And then they get around somebody that's smoking and say, boy, they stink. Hallelujah. But it says in Numbers 14, and, and these were the scriptures that I felt God gave me. Everybody say discontentment. Breeds doubt and unbelief. And this is the scripture. It's in um, Numbers 14. You know, the children of Israel, they've come back with that report. And 10 of the spies said, we can't, we can't go in there. There's, there's giants. And two said, Caleb and Joshua, we can go in there, basically. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing all that. But let's start in verse 26. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, uh, spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? Now, see, I'm looking up content, 
And suddenly this scripture comes up. And a bunch more that are about these same group of people complaining, murmuring, upset. And uh, it says, complain against me. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Now, this is very important. If you have your Bible, underline this. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. You know why they ended up in that wilderness? Because they said they were going to die. Oh, yeah, they said they were going to die. I mean, would that we had died in Egypt. You've brought us out here to die. They say that. I can give you the scripture. Numbers 23. The people contended with Moses saying, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord back in Egypt. They were looking backward. They had become discontent with their situation. And their discontentment brought them to a place where they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. I thought it was interesting that David brought that up tonight because uh, it isn't that God wants to punish us, but you will wonder, I will wonder in a wilderness. In other words, I'll never really be free to be content until I make a decision that if God be for me, who can be against me? What can man do to me? Everybody say that. What can man do to me? That's one of the greatest fears I believe that people have that hold them back from the plan of God, the fear of man. Uh, I was really, I was a very much a man pleaser. And, and I, so I've experienced that one. Listen to this, because God said they're going to get what they said. Numbers 11. This is what they said in Numbers 11, 5 and 6. We remember the fish we ate. Now, God is providing for the people, but it says the people complain. Now, verse 1, now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of them in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was stopped. He called the name of the place Taborah because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense cravings. Did we not talk about covetousness? See, that will affect your, your conduct. And their intense cravings. So the children of Israel also wept again. And said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. And the cucumbers. And the melons. And the leeks. And the onions. And the garlic. And this is what they said. But now our whole being is dried up. And then they said, there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Well, who gave them the manna? Were they to be content with what God had provided for them? Even though it was the same thing every day. Sometimes my husband will say to me, let's go eat this. And then the next day he'll say, let's eat this. I said, I just ate that yesterday. You know, we're so spoiled in this nation. Our children over there in that refugee camp have the same meal. Every meal. (laughs) Every day. But it's their provision. Everybody say it's their provision. And when we're content, we're able to be who God called us to be. I believe the children of Israel could never have gone into the promised land and won the battles they would have to win because they were not content in what God had told them. And when we walk not, when we don't walk by faith in a situation that's where we're going to need God for the miracle, 
then we're not going to win in that situation. Jesus won because he obeyed God to the fullest. And we sang that song tonight. Now, um, in, back in, uh, there was a day when I was by myself with my children. And I heard this, when you got me, you got everything. Some of you have heard me share that. And at the time, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was very troubled. You know, I, I didn't sleep at night. I would worry about how I was going to feed my three kids by myself. I think I made $4 and something an hour. I just barely had enough to buy groceries. Uh, I wasn't, there weren't food stamps in there. If there were, I didn't know about it. Uh, I worked every day, but that's the amount of money that I had. And I had support from, for my children, but it just only paid the rent. It didn't pay all the rent, but it paid part of the rent. And so everything else depended on me, I thought. Uh, and I tithed. I, 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 I did that from the day I got saved. Um, I can take no credit. I don't know why I did it. I just did it because I'm a rule follower. That's what my sister says to me. You are a rule follower. We don't have to follow the rules. I said, well, we do, or we'll be in trouble. And she says, no, we don't have to follow the rules. I've been in some really bad places with her because we didn't follow the rules. Hallelujah. So, you know, I followed the rule, the rule, but it wasn't because I trusted God. It wasn't because I, it wasn't because I was content. I did it because it was a rule. If you love God, if, you, if you're saved, you give 10%. And so even though, you know, I didn't have enough money, even to do things for my kids, I would still pay that 10%. I paid it right when I wrote my check on the gross because I was an accountant before that, and I knew what 10% meant. You know, we can argue about net or gross, net or gross. Well, if you're going to give it to the government, better give it to God because government's not doing so well. So I always did that. And you know what? I got so concerned about it. I was about to quit my job at ORU, which is where God had put me during that time in my life. I was going to quit and go get a better job because I was no longer content that I couldn't put it on paper and make it balance. And I couldn't do with my kids what I wanted to do. I couldn't get them the things that I wanted to get them. Now, doesn't that sound reasonable? I mean, I love my kids. I was the only one. I was 700 miles away from any family, and I wanted to be able to do things besides one ice cream cone a week, a small ice cream cone, at the Swenson's, which was an ice cream store, that they got to go to on Friday night and get an ice cream cone. And that's the only thing we did that was food anywhere from outside our house except their lunch at school. So this was not like we were on a luxury cruise and that God was just showing up with all kinds of finances. Uh, in fact, sometimes people would leave food on my doorstep and God would say to me, give some of it away. Don't keep it all for yourself. In other words, you're not, if you eat it all, you don't have any seed. So I would do that um, because I'm a rule follower, not because... You know, I, I knew it was the right thing to do. I knew it was God telling me to. But it wasn't like in faith. But when I did it, God began to multiply things back to me. Well, I got to complain one day, and I, I was back reading through the Bible back then too. And uh, I was in Genesis 47 and Luke chapter 3. Now, this is the truth. Now, I have not been to Bible school. 
I, nobody's been teaching me any of this. I just work at Oral Roberts University, and I read the Word every night. You say, well, you know, she went to Bible school. I didn't. But, but I went to a school of the Holy Spirit. And if you will obey the Holy Spirit, you will be just as strong as any preacher you see on television. Because the reason they're strong is because they have spent time in the Word of God. You cannot have the victory without the Word. And so in Psalm, or I mean in Genesis, it says in Genesis 47, I have it highlighted as usual. I was praying. I said, God, there's just not enough. I'm going to have to get a job, another job. Uh, I didn't know how I would do it, or I have to get a new job. And I felt like God said, no, this is what you're going to do. And it was in chapter 47 in my Bible reading. I come up on this, and it's, it's Joseph, you know, when there was going to be a famine in the land, and he was going to be the person that would be in charge of all the finances for the king, for Pharaoh. It says, uh, then Joseph said to the people, indeed, I have brought you and your land this day for, I've bought you this land, uh, you and the land this day for Pharaoh. Now look, here is seed for you and you shall sow the land. And then I read this, it shall come to pass in the harvest. Everybody say the harvest. Well, I want to tell you, I saw no harvest. I had not seen a harvest, but I heard this very clearly that you shall give one fifth to Pharaoh. I thought, I'm having trouble with a tenth. I mean, I don't have enough. I'm giving a tenth. Now you want me to give 20%? 20% of everything I make, I'm going to give to the Lord? I thought, that can't be God. It says, four-fifths, you get to keep as your own, as seed for the field, and your food for those of your household, and as food for your little ones. I thought, you're really funny, God. And I felt like God said to me, you need to start giving 20% of what you have. Well, I went over to Luke. It's got to get better in the new covenant. And you know what it said? I couldn't believe this. I mean, I still get chills when I read this because I think, oh, God, I don't know how, how I ever did this. But it says in verse, um, it's Luke three fourteen. It says, likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, what shall we do? So he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. I thought he ain't going to let me even have a new job. I'm going to have to stay in this job and give twice as much as I'm already given away. Do you know how he did that? My, my wage did not change. But over the next three months, and I kept records. I have papers somewhere in a box in our garage because I kept them. God began to funnel money to me from other people. And I gave 10% on everything I got. And what happened was it was 20% of my wages. In other words, God doubled my income. And for three months straight, he doubled my income out of nowhere. And I'm not talking vegetables on the porch. It was cash. He gave me what I made every month from unexpected sources. It was coming from everywhere. And I kept track of it because I felt like the Lord said, watch me. I will take care of you. I want to tell you that will change your life. That will change your life. And it was the word that told me, I want you to give a fifth. And I thought, I can't give a fifth. Well, I could give a fifth when everybody else gave me more and I gave a tenth of it. That wasn't hard. 
because I wasn't even going to have that anyway. And so he began to teach me. Everybody say, you become content when you trust God. I didn't see the fulfillment of the harvest, not then. But I believe I'm reaping the harvest today of all those years of being tested in that arena of my life. I want to tell you the greatest fear people have is fear of finances. You know, fear of man. I mean, if I don't have a job, if somebody doesn't hire me, I'm not going to make it. No, until that thought gets out of our head, God has a place for me. He's going to provide for me because there are times when people don't have jobs. But when they don't have a job, if they've been walking in that contentment, in their heart, they know they're okay. And they will have a job. It will manifest. Because their confidence is in God and not in man. Everybody's saying man. And so I just share that with you. When you got God, you got everything. You got healing. You got wholeness. Uh, you got everything. Salvation means uh, total well-being. And finances are in there. So I, I just felt to encourage you in that uh, arena. But it isn't just finances. It's whatever you have need of. It's, if it's for your children to do the right thing, then you need to start being content. Uh, we've had to practice this one. And it's very difficult with your family. Everybody say family. How many of you know it's hard to watch your family uh, going through things that you know, you just know you have the wisdom to help them get out of it? But how many of you know it's just like that chicken. You help them try to get out of the egg and they die because they had to do a lot of pecking on that shell to get out of there. And uh, I, I, since I'm a rescuer and a fixer, sometimes I've tried to pull people out of their place instead of just letting God do it. And their confidence then gets to be in God. Nobody came out to Tulsa when I lived there with three kids and doubled my salary. That money didn't come from my family. That came from people. I don't even today can't remember who where all it came from. But I was so excited after that first month that I was keeping track of every little bit that was coming my way, that God took care of for me so that I doubled my income in those three months. And uh, it didn't go, last forever. At the end of that, I was released, went back to tithing. But then I knew, everybody say no. Know your God, it says. If you know your God, you will do great exploits. This is what puts you in a miracle realm or a supernatural arena to see God be big in your life. Um, but these are the two things that I felt that God wanted me to say to you for um, living a contented life. Number one is Ephesians 4, 24, 22 through 24. Uh, put off the old man's conduct. Now, it says that our conduct, remember, is where this whole scripture started in Hebrews 13, that our conduct, uh, it, let it be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. And when you know God and you, you get in that position where your old man is saying, you're not going to make it. And, and your new man is saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I have no lack. I suffer no lack because I belong to God and I seek him for what I have. When you begin to practice those kind of uh, thoughts and the word of God, then it becomes real in our life and we can become content in that situation. If it says uh, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And then, can you just play it right off? And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, in verse 24, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Uh, when I first started this message, 
this is the scripture I heard. Uh, and, and it was about contentment. This is what I heard. In everything, give thanks. Number two, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Everybody say, in everything. That means, like Paul said, when, I'm, when I have a lot, when I have a little, I'm okay. But it's beyond okay. I'm still thanking God. Uh, I picked that song tonight for us to sing, Find Me Grateful. Find me on my knees. And find me dreaming. You know, if you and I cannot stay in a place where we know the Lord is my helper, I have no fear. What can man do to me? Uh, then we live in that place where we can continually be grateful and, and be dreaming. Uh, I think that's one of the greatest tragedies in the church is people quit dreaming because they, they feel like God didn't do what he said he would do. But in my heart, I know, for, I know this, it's because they didn't step out further where God could show them he could do it. In other words, they were waiting on God to do something that God was asking them to do something that would cause them to be able to inherit that promise. Everybody say, in the harvest. See, in the harvest, there's plentiful. Then, you know, we're in a position to do whatever. But we don't start with the harvest. We start with the barren field, and we sow the seed. And then the seed grows, and then the harvest. And so I believe a lot of people's dreams, even in my own life, until I was willing to say, okay, God, I will go to Tulsa with three kids by myself, with everybody in my family thinking I was crazy. When my husband came, we came to start this church, uh, all of our family thought, well, you know, don't come back here to try to start a church. I mean, we got lots of churches in Lafayette. But no, God said, go back and start a church. You know, other things that God has told us to do that people would say, are you sure that's God? How many of you ever heard that? Are you sure that's God? Your contentment to be able to use your faith to get through that has to come from believing Hebrews 13. And it says, let your conduct, everybody say conduct. Now, I can act right if I have to because I'm a rule follower. How many of you know you can act right too? But God knows what's in here. And he knows if you're just acting right or you're really, you've already, you've attained that. You've attained that level of trust and confidence through the suffering, through those things that you've had to go through. Uh, But in those things, you have become stronger and more confident in your God. Amen. And you also become more confident in yourself. You know, look, I passed that test. Hallelujah. I thought I was going to die. But I did it, and God did what he said he would do. And then there's a contentment at that level. I I experienced this with my husband. You know, we talked about it um, last week, but on those hills in in California. (laughs) I tell you, the first time up that mountain, I wasn't sure I was going to make it. No, it's okay. But I was, you know, I was hanging onto the handle not the door handle, because that's dangerous. But I was hanging on to that part where, you know, where you can hang on to the door. And I was praying. I mean, you know, woman of faith had done departed at the bottom of the hill. After the first three curves, I thought, it still says the lady on the thing. How many of you know sometimes it's better not to know? Of course, she's saying in 2.8 miles, I'm thinking... 
2.8 miles, I'll be in heaven. I mean, that we can't go up 2.8 miles. There's no way we can get that eye. And then I keep thinking after so many curves, we're almost there. 1.75 miles will be, I'm thinking, oh, God, I can't do. But you know what? The second time I went up, it wasn't near as hard. Third time I went up, the other side of the mountain. I actually was pretty relaxed on that side. Of course, there was some land on that side. And houses, not just cliffs. And, but I'm just saying this. I learned in that that it's just like anything you do that's new, that God pulls on you to do it. I mean, our first time down to, to, to Malibu, and you're going through these hills, and I said to Bill, I see now what happens when there's a forest fire in California. And then you turn a curve, and it says, don't throw anything out of the car, high fire alert, you know. And all these things that you can think of that could come. But the more you do it, the more confident you become in that doing of it. It's the same with God. If you want contentment, then you've got to be willing to step out in that thing that God is saying to you, do this. And you think, I'll surely die. No, you'll surely die in that place you're standing in if you don't do it. Amen? We have a great mission ahead of us. But we have to be content knowing. Listen, just like I think it's Job that said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Nothing's going to happen to me that God cannot take care of. Amen? Let's stand up together. Father, I thank you that, uh, that you're calling on the church to be content because the world is in confusion. The world is in uh, looking to man to solve things. And, and thank God for people that, that are listening to your voice that hear you that are trying to, to make decisions and choices that they feel will help us. But what the world needs is Jesus. It, it does always need Jesus. It always will need Jesus. We all need the confidence that we have in knowing Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And if you're here tonight and, and you're not walking in that place of knowing without a doubt that God loves you, that he has a plan for your life, that his word is truth. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wherever you're at in your life, whatever miracle you need, God is the miracle God that you need to take a hold of and grab a hold of so he can make a difference in your life. And if that's you tonight and you're here, I didn't see when my husband prayed earlier, but if that's you and you, you've never really been in that place where you've said, I, I, I'm confident. I'm confident that heaven is my eternal home. I know that when I close my eyes on this earth, that when I open them, the first thing I'll see is Jesus. If that's not you, tonight in this place, you need to make sure that you make that surety in your heart. Tonight, or if you won't do it tonight, then you ask God to help you make that decision like that young man made in the restaurant to be saved to be delivered from every work of the enemy. If that's you tonight, though, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. See your hand. Anybody else? Would you come down here with me? My husband will come up here. Yeah, give him a hand. Hallelujah. We're all going to pray with you tonight, but just come on up here. We're all going to pray with you tonight, but God hasn't forgotten about you. I felt to tell you that tonight. Uh, there's been lots of people who forgot about you and who made promises, but God hadn't forgotten about you. 
and you are not finished. You're not finished. There's more. There's more. And the fact that you came in here tonight and you were you were watching the guitar, there's gifts in you that God's put on the inside of you. He, he hasn't given up on those gifts. He doesn't want you to give up either. Okay? What's your name? all just stretch our hands out. Father, thank you for Mark tonight. Thank you for his life. Thank you, Father, that you see where he is and you know the things that have happened to him and the places where he's been. But you have a road for him to to walk, a path that leads to prosperity and wholeness and health. And I just thank you tonight that, that he will begin to believe in Jesus, believe in you making a difference in his life that will bring him to a place where he maybe has never walked before. But but he still can go there as he puts his confidence in you. Let's all pray this together. And Mark, you pray this after me. If this is your heart, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your love, Jesus. I have a hard time loving myself. Sometimes I miss it so much that I feel like You wouldn't want me. But tonight, I give my heart to you. I ask you to heal me in every area of my life. And I will make an effort to follow you and to stay close to you. Even when I miss it, I will call on you. Because my help has to be from you. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to pray for all of you tonight that are standing here. That um, where the enemy is just uh, really pressed hard on you for contentment where you are. It's very difficult to stand for healing when you're fearful of the things that the devil's saying. And so, I want to pray tonight. If any of you need uh, prayer in that area, why don't you just lift your hand. I'm really struggling with being content where I am in my life. Would you just lift your hand? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you show those that lifted their hand tonight that their contentment isn't for uh, from things being the way they want them to be. It's because Jesus paid a price for them to live a contented life in the midst of even their most difficult situation because you have answers You have solutions for their situation. And I thank you, Lord, that they will see you strong. They will see you mighty on their behalf. In Jesus' name, that you will deliver them, that you will bring them through. But in the midst of the situation, they will begin to say, If God be for me, who can be against me? What can man do to me? In Jesus' name. Now, I want all of us to say this. I am saved. I am filled with the power of God. No weapon formed against me can prosper. I have inherited victory through Jesus Christ. It belongs to me. The devil has no right to my life, to my family. In Jesus' name, I serve a God who is greater than any force, sickness, disease, doubt, unbelief, fear, lack. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory 
in Christ Jesus. My mistakes do not limit God. My God is never limited. So I trust in the one who loves me most. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 